Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Martin Sen, the co-founder and CEO of DaVinci Virtual. Martin's actually my father's partner, and we've been talking about doing a pod together for a really long time, so I'm excited this finally came together. What they've built is a virtual office business based in Salt Lake, and it can quickly be described as an Airbnb model for office and meeting rooms. After listening to this one, you'll understand the future of how people will work. Super interesting story ahead, so let's get into it. Martin, welcome to the podcast. Well, uh, good afternoon, Alex. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm great. I'm in LA. You're in Salt Lake. You're the CEO of DaVinci Virtual, super cool um, technology company, kind of changing the way people work, but uh, we'll get into all of that here shortly. Um, love to hear about you know, who you are, how you got to what you do now, you know, you're, uh, you're an entrepreneur now, were you, were you always an entrepreneur? Like, how'd you get to this place in life? Well, you know, uh, I'm in my later fifties now, so it's been quite a, uh, quite a stretch, but, um, uh, uh, today out of my office window, I'm looking at some snow covered peaks and, uh, here in Utah, but, uh, quite frankly, that has a lot to do with my upbringing as well. Um, I was born to Swiss parents in California, no snow cover peaks there, but uh, when I was about two years old, we moved back to Europe, to Switzerland, and I spent my entire childhood and education in, in uh, the tiny country of Switzerland. Um, I grew up in a cow town, literally, about 650 people living there, cows going up and down the mountain every morning and night. Uh, but then I uh, finished all my studies at the University of Zurich. And uh, at the end of my program, uh, we actually had an opportunity to uh, work anywhere in the world uh, for a global business program and get additional credits. Uh, as I was a dual citizen with the United States, um, I was able very easily to come back here and actually complete my year. I ended up in Los Angeles, uh, where you are right now, Alex, and I spent one year uh, outside of Marina del Rey with a large travel wholesale company. Um, Thought I would be here for about a year, go back to Switzerland, do what good Swiss do, which is pick a career for life, work till they're 65, get the golden watch and enjoy. Uh, obviously, it didn't turn out that way. Um, I, uh, I grew quite fond of the American way of life, but also the American dream and the American opportunity. So uh, as I uh, finished my year in L.A., uh, I had an opportunity to grow, uh, to work for two more years with a travel wholesale group that had offices in Colorado, Hawaii, and a couple other areas. Um, I worked with them for the next couple of years and uh, started building call centers and call center software for them. Um, I really enjoyed uh, that particular line of work. But uh, in, in the earlier 90s, um, we had an opportunity to acquire a competitor here in Park City, Utah. 
And um, at that point, I chose to take that position and move here. I thought I was going to be here for another year or two. Obviously, now it's been almost 30, so uh, things have worked out differently. But, uh, you know, I found Utah, and I think I found my place, not just uh, from a personal perspective, but also from a professional perspective. Yeah, Martin, it's a, it's a cool story, kind of how you've uh, go to these different places and you say, oh, I'll, I'll try this out, be there for a year. And then you kind of are just really, not kind of, you're very much open to, you know, seeing like, if you like it, if you don't like it, what's good about it, what's bad about it. And that's like, so unique, I think, you know, moving here from a country in Europe, far, far away, experimenting what you like, what you don't like, like, what do you think, uh, you know, is inside of you that, that, you know, allows you to just have like such an open mind as you're, as you're going through this? Uh, well, I felt like part of the reason why I chose to leave Switzerland in the first place and go work internationally, right, was I felt probably confined. I wanted to expand my horizons. I, I wanted to see more of the world, but also learn more in the business world. And I think that's what drove me um, kind of to become, I guess, a little bit of a, a traveling worksman anyhow in the first place. Um, I think the second piece of it is, uh, you know, you, you find yourself uh, still without normally family and responsibilities or large responsibilities, trying out different lines of work, maybe starting experimenting with certain things. And I think one of the big differences here in the States versus Switzerland is entrepreneurism and, and small business is very much alive, right? And uh, it, it's very much driven. There's literally millions of companies. Uh, back home, things are a bit more traditional a bit more established, and uh, quite frankly, small business is still uh, outside of the macro economies, maybe still uh, something that's not that much endeavored in. I really enjoyed it, obviously. That's why I'm here. And, uh, you know, I migrated from the travel industry then into the telecom industries, worked actually for a very large telecom group here in Salt Lake City uh, for almost a decade and uh, exited in 1999 uh, because I was frustrated with uh, – the red tape, uh, maybe the lack or, of ability to affect change, technology, etc. And uh, I wanted to regroup at that point. It was actually quite a, a pivotal day in, in my professional career. Uh, so uh, I went back out on my own. I started my own consulting firm. And actually, that's how I met my business partner and uh, uh, Bill Grotnick in 2005. And uh, it was kind of almost an odyssey and a match of talents and visions and ambitions. And uh, that's when I truly felt we, we had something special and I wanted to get involved with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you, how you talk about kind of your upbringing of thinking about you'd always go work for a big company, just do that for your entire life, get the gold watch, retire. Um, but then it's what the cool part of your journey is, is that you had an, uh, this open mindset to go see, experiment, see what uh, you know, Martin was really put on this earth to do. And, uh, and you had like this entrepreneurial spirit inside of you. And so, yeah, you, you, you did the, the corporate route and like many people you saw, yeah, I don't like all this red tape bureaucracy. Let's go. I can do this better out on my own. I'll start consulting. Um, and then we'll, we'll see where it takes me. Yeah. And you know, it comes with, uh, with, uh, joy and with pain, obviously, uh, Alex, you know that as well. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, uh, if you like building things from the ground up, um, it obviously comes with without the safety blanket in a lot of cases, right? So you got to have 
a risk tolerance. I think you got to have the desire to really drive. Um, you know, uh, the notion of never quit and the notion of being responsible for all uh, is really part of that journey. And uh, But I also feel that it is the most rewarding way to work if you have the ability to to truly do what you like and enjoy and push forward and grow something special, I think that's the most rewarding thing you can do professionally, aside from obviously, you know, uh, establishing a family and and have a, have, have a good family life and grow kids, you know. Yep. Okay. So uh, I love the beginning part of the journey here and, and, and getting to, to where we are uh, or to where when you met Bill Grodnick. My dad. Uh, so that's that's how that's how we got connected here. That's how the magic of how you came to this podcast. But okay, so um, tell us about tell us about that. Like you guys meet, you've got this background in building call centers and telecom, and my dad's got this virtual uh, office idea kind of concept. Um, how did it come together? Well, it was interesting, right? So uh, uh, I I had my consulting firm at that time, and actually. Bill, your dad, <laughs> my business partner, uh, uh, at that point was uh, reformatting the structure of some of the office business centers that he was operating at that time. Uh, he hired a consultant for that, uh, Joe, uh, a financial advisor and consultant, uh, to help him with that. And uh, Bill kept talking to Joe about this vision, this dream, this this uh, you know desire to build this global platform. And forget about office walls, forget about permanent office space, do it virtually, uh, do it flexible, do it anywhere in the world. And uh, Joe listened to it for a few days in a row and he said, you know, um, I'm not your guy, I'm a finance guy, but uh, I know somebody in my company or associated with that I think uh, would be worth meeting. So uh, Bill and I uh, had a meeting early on and it was almost like, I, I call it the odyssey because uh, we, we started talking to each other. We started realizing that his vision, his ideas, his passion, his his drive combined with maybe my professional experience, my technology background, my uh, ability to uh, uh, potentially put things in motion uh, was exactly what we were looking for both, right? Uh, uh, sparks flew, and quite frankly, about six months later, we, we fired up DaVinci Virtual Office Solutions together. So cool. Um, cool hearing uh, the side of the story from you. I've heard it from my dad many, many times. Um, okay, so okay, so let's let's hear what is DaVinci? Like what was it then and what is it uh, how has it changed and evolved to what is it what is it today? Yeah, it's actually interesting timing. Uh, yesterday I uh, I uh, had uh, four meetings in a row with my entire staff here in Salt Lake, about 110 employees now. And uh, I do that every year at the beginning of the year to kind of look at the past year, what did we accomplish, what did we uh, set out to do, what worked, what didn't work, right, and what what's in the, the cards for the next year. But also at that time, I normally reflect on where we started and how we got here, right? Um, when, uh, uh, when Bill and I started the company, uh, it was entirely bootstrapped. We, we chose not to raise money. We chose not to have investors. We chose to self-fund the venture. Uh, that's the hard path to go but I also still believe that's the right path to go, right? Um, if you can do it, if you can bootstrap a company from the ground up, uh, you're going to create uh, significant value if it works uh, without having to dilute yourself or the venture. Uh, so we set out to do it the hard way. Um, 
we we started literally from ground up, uh, added one customer at a time. Uh, initially, we had, I think, about 2,000 square feet of office space that we kind of borrowed from Bill's old venture and uh, set up shop. Uh, quickly, though, it grew. It worked. And uh, we found uh, that uh, we could, in fact, deliver a product that made sense for a lot of small uh, businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, over the first two, three years, the company grew uh, uh, quite rapidly and uh, became profitable, actually, after about six or seven seven months, which was awesome. And uh, we just kept investing in the company. We kept driving the company. Uh, today, looking back, we're 14 years old and we're servicing just about 50,000 active customers with our product lines. So cool. Um, so, like... Quickly, what, what is a virtual office? So, interesting question and uh, many answers probably, but uh, we feel we defined that space. Uh, a virtual office has a couple components. Uh, defined as having the ability to use a business address, uh, but without the physical office space and the long-term contracts. So, that's ideal for really a lot of ventures for multiple motivations, right? You want to have a professional business address, not put your garage or your apartment number on your business card. You want to leverage that for your business to give it the professional appearance, to, to make sure you have uh, an identity that's, that's respected when you, when you go out and, and uh, start, your, start your venture. Uh, at the same time, though, you're giving up certain conveniences of not having physical office space, so what we also did is we created a platform called DaVinciMeetingRooms.com that allows now our customers that no longer have physical offices to rent a day office or a conference room or a boardroom by the hour, by the half day, by the full day, equipped the way they need it for the task that they need it anywhere in the world, right? So what we're doing is we're taking away the permanent overhead model, which is really one of the stumbling blocks for a lot of businesses when they start, when they try to grow. And we give them a flexible option, kind of the pay-per-use model on the virtual office address, on the physical office or meeting space when the people need it. And then in addition to that, we add a telecommunications and live receptionist component. So since you don't have a physical office anymore and the infrastructure thereof, you also don't need the administrative support in-house and we provide that on an outsourced solution. So if you combine these three things, that would be my definition of a virtual office service. Yep, super cool. And you know, totally fits of kind of how the world is is working now. You don't need to have some expensive office and a secretary dedicated uh, just to you. You can, you know, have all these things outsourced to buy meeting rooms in 15-minute blocks when you need them and have a address to use and an image and and all of that for like, you know, fractions of what a regular office would cost. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you compare the cost of a physical office, say in Manhattan, just a small closet will cost you $10,000 a month. You can have the Empire State Building as your virtual business address, along with a boardroom a couple times a month when you truly have to meet in, uh, on location with prospects or customers and at the live receptionist services, all for probably less than $500 a month. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, what is the co-working um, trend meant for you guys? Like, how's, Has that helped your business? Uh, I think it certainly has helped our business in multiple ways, right? When, uh, when we started, uh, quite frankly, the idea of somebody telecommuting or working virtually 
uh, was challenging for a lot of people to understand back in 2006. I think the recession in 8 to 10 really forced people to look for different ways to work. And along came the mobile technologies, obviously, that supported that, right? So uh, going into 2011 through 2020 now, uh, working virtually, telecommuting, working distributed became a lot more endorsed and accepted pretty much by everybody across the board. Uh, co-working then, uh, I remember seeing, you know, the first term co-working mentioned in about 2007, 2008. Uh, the WeWork phenomenon obviously then uh, really put a lifestyle and a brand around that. And it became a very popular and frequently used term, more so than a virtual office for sure at this point. However, what is co-working really today, right? Uh, it is a flexible ability to work, but it has a community aspect to it, which normally still localizes it in somewhat fashion. Um, co-working for us meant there has been a lot more flexible workspace providers uh, that started up business. Uh, there's probably as many co-working operators as there is traditional flexible workspace operators in the world now. So our inventory and our network where we offer our products basically doubled. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess that brings up like the you know one of the cool aspects of your of your guys' business. Like you said, you can get an empire state, uh, empire building uh, address. You guys don't own space or rent space in the empire state building. So like, talk about how how your business works. Yep. So uh, when Bill and I actually uh, wrote the business plan and started the business in 2006, we decided, and he was very firm on that as well that we did not want to own and operate physical spaces ourselves. Uh, what does that mean, right? So our largest competitor, IWG uh, Regis, uh, they have over 3,500 locations worldwide, but they own and operate most of those locations themselves. So the liability uh, of the real estate is one on their balance sheets, but also two, uh, a real expense, you know, dependent on... Uh, uh, real estate, uh, lease, rent, fluctuations, etc. cetera. Uh, our model uh, was different. So we decided we wanted to leverage the independent workspace operators and form a network forum and really become the driving channel for virtual office addresses, for meeting space clients uh, to those independent workspace operators. So think of it as the Airbnb model of workspace, an overused term probably by now, but uh, we don't own the properties. However, we're able to offer a variety of properties around the globe, almost 2,000 locations in 50 countries now without having the real estate overhead. In addition to that, though, it's a win-win situation for our partners because we drive revenue to them that they otherwise wouldn't find in their local market, right? Yep, just like you have a house for rent on on Airbnb. I mean, with, without the Airbnb marketing engine, it's going to be difficult to bring in customers to rent your house. Same thing with with this. People have unused meeting rooms, and going to be tough to uh, to go market that without without the the front end of DaVinci. That's correct. We really have become the national and global marketing channel for a lot of these independent operators, and in many cases. We drive more business to them that they generate on their own in their local markets. Yeah, super cool. So, Martin, where do you think the the industry 
goes from from here. I mean, it, as you kind of mentioned, like flexible office space. It just it seems like that's going to be on the trend of of how people are going to be working in the future. But is that, is that how you see it? Um, I I feel we we're going to have multiple flavors of, of of what people do when they work flexible at this point, right? Uh, there's a lot of definitions that uh, have been kind of coined over the last couple of years. Um, some people still prefer to have the privacy of an office, for example. Some people enjoy working in a shared open environment. Uh, I think having the ability to give everybody a choice like Da Vinci does uh, as to what type of space, what type of location, what type of services, a la carte or combined, I think will be the future. Uh, the consumer is going to dictate what they're looking for. So our job as a provider is to obviously make sure we have all of the flavors available when it comes to inventory, when it comes to services. Yep. Um, okay. Well, I mean, this has been super interesting hearing about uh, your path and the company and DaVinci. And so, I mean, I we usually leave these podcasts, you know, towards the end here um, talking about, uh, about two things. I like listeners to always find ways to, provide value to people. You know, I say like, don't just go ask for a job, say like, you know, is there something that I could do that would provide value to you? So is there anything that listeners can do of this podcast? You know, they're young, smart, hardworking people that would, that would provide value to you or, or to DaVinci. Uh, that's the first question. And then, uh, and then the second question has to do with, uh, you know, advice for someone kind of just getting going in, in, in their career. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were very fortunate in our company. Uh, we, from the beginning, set out to build a company, Bill and myself, the way we wanted to shape it, build it. Uh, and again, we had control over doing so. Um, that was fortunate because today, I think we have a very unique company culture here at Da Vinci. Uh, about 110 full-time employees, uh, all of them much younger than Bill and I. Uh, the majority of our employees are females. Uh, we, we definitely encourage females in the workforce, which is probably, uh, uh, you know, proactive in the state of Utah. Um, the other thing I think that's important to us is to really not just create jobs, but create career paths. And uh, if I look at my management team today, most of them have probably been somewhere between seven and 12 years at Da Vinci, some longer uh, the whole time. Uh, so that's really exciting for us to see, right? Because not only do we have somebody on our team that's been with us for a long time that we know well, but we also have created the career path for an individual uh, to really go from, in some cases, customer service rep all the way up to a director of operations, for example. Uh, what does that mean for a listener right now? Um, I think in today's world, a lot of people, like I did in my younger years, try a lot of different things first to see if they find something they really enjoy. I would advise you that if when you find that thing, go in 100%, right, or 110%. Try to make it your career because I think in the long term that will be very rewarding, not just personally and professionally, but financially as well. Awesome. Well, Martin, I mean, that's that's fantastic advice. Yeah, I mean, do everything you can uh, to your fullest and give 100%. But this, is, this has been uh, fantastic speaking with you. I'm glad we uh, were able to find the time to do this. And Alex, uh, nice chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know you're one of those hardworking individuals and uh, one of those entrepreneur spirits. So uh, good luck with everything, Alex. Look forward to seeing you do more and more great things. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks, Martin. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow. Thanks.